Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Have you ever truly bet on yourself? Aaron Gonaway left the conventional corporate life to follow a passion that blossomed from his childhood. Texas Barbecue, his restaurant, Plates by the Pound Barbecue is getting critical acclaim and attention nationwide. Aaron, thanks for taking the time today, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. You, we got a co-host with us today. Yeah, I got my son today, man. So he's my road dog. So. Yeah. What's your son's name? Ivan. Nice to meet you, Ivan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Aaron, it all started with family. It started with Uncle Glenn. Tell us about Uncle Glenn. Uncle Glenn's my mom's brother, so that's like my my uncle, uh, father figure. My family's from Clarksville, Texas, and we kind of grew up country like deep country man so we used to burn our trash and as a kid you kind of learn this cycle of life very fast because one day you'll see an animal next day you won't you know and he was the first cowboy i ever met first black guy i've seen wear cowboy boots proud wow. <laughs> um he was a man of god family man uh tough as nails man so definitely a father figure hero and all that i read on your website he taught you how to clean squirrel Oh, yeah, dude. We ate a lot of squirrel. That's really? one of those squirrel, rabbit, coon. Um, funny story. They always told us everything was chicken just okay, to get us yeah. to eat it. So they was like, oh, what is this? It's chicken. So as a kid, <laughs> I thought every animal we ate was chicken. Right. Because <laughs> that's the only way to get us to. If he knew what it was, we probably wouldn't eat it in their eyes. So we figured out this isn't. This chicken's weird. There's more bones in this chicken than the last chicken. <laughs> so it was kind of a running joke, me, my brother, and my cousin. So talk a little bit more about growing up in, in Clarksville, Texas. What was what was that like for you? Honestly, man, it was I was so young. I was young, but I was old enough to see like my family, how we didn't have a lot. You know, and uh, going to town was like a vacation. Like everybody got dressed up. My grandma put a wig on, you know, her Sunday's dress, and we would go to Walmart, hit up the Piggity Wiggly, man, and just get the necessities because that's one thing we didn't have, you know, um, on my family's property, you know, was everything. But what we had, we was grateful for. So it was very family uh, tight-knit. Everybody knew everybody, and it was just one of those things where you kind of appreciate what you had and what you have. How did you find yourself in Colorado and Aurora specifically? We moved back and forth a lot. Okay. So um, we would go down, move here, move back there, move here, move back there. And we found ourselves stuck here in the 90s. And my mom was an entrepreneur and uh, she had her own salon on the Five Points. Um, it was uh, LaRae's Barber and Beauty. Okay. And that was way in the, um, before the gentrification you see now in the Five yeah. Point area in the early 90s, early 90s, so. Like so many, your job was affected when COVID-19 hit. You were working for the Arapahoe County Fairgrounds as an operations supervisor. And of course, no events means you shut down. Was that a turning point where you decided you really wanted to control your own destiny? It was and it wasn't. Um, that job was the first job I got when I moved back to Denver. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in South Carolina for about a good year. And that's the first job I got. Um, but it's one of those things where you know after working somewhere, like this is where I want to be yeah. or this is where I not want to be. And it was one of those jobs where I was blessed to have a job because I have, I have kids, man. Yeah. So it was like you, you get used to the routine. But once COVID happened, um, we became a alternative care facility. So I would work two days a week and come home. So what do you have time to really start <laughs> – 
thinking yeah. about a lot of stuff. So I will come home every day with a new business idea. My wife thought I was crazy. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like what? Like what today? What now? And then one day she was like, once you start selling your barbecue, and I was like, I was totally against it because if you look back on social media at that time, everybody was selling something online. Right. From hand sanitizers to chicken dinners to smothered burritos. So COVID really brought out the entrepreneur and hustler. What, what were of some of those ideas that you had initially before you decided to sell your queue? Honestly, man, like sanitizing, like yeah. going in these companies and just sanitizing because of COVID. So I was like, we can, I can get a sprayer, get some chemicals, go in there and just spray down before and after. And or like a cleaning company, that's kind of ideas I had. So like, I'm very like, if I have an idea, it consumes me. So I'll be up all night researching, writing notes, and I would not sleep. And she was like, babe, go to bed. Babe, turn the TV off. And like, but my mind is always, always going. Was there any reservations about the barbecue in particular um, in regards to like getting into the food industry? Or was it just the saturation of the market? Um, you know, or was it the scale that you would have to, to create? Like, what were some of those barriers that you had to overcome? A lot of it was the saturation because everybody's a barbecue expert today. Yeah. I don't care. You heard that story, man. Well, my husband makes the best ribs or right. my grandmother makes the best this. But it's, it, 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 it could be boiled. Mm-hmm. It could be put in a crock pot. It could be baked. But to them, it's the best. So I didn't want to be part of that yeah. conversation. And me being a I wouldn't say a critic, but I I know what barbecue should taste like. A purist. I'm a purist. Yeah. And so it's like I may meet another purist other like myself. So it's like, man, I just don't want to get into politics of it. I just want to cook. And then she said, well, we're we're doing it. <laughs> so she kind of deboed me, man. Uh, I was like, well, I, I guess. my business, punk. Pretty much. So I guess was like, damn, we are doing it. So yeah. that next weekend, um, we went to Sam's Club. I bought, was it two packs, which came with four slabs of ribs total. I got two briskets, a pack of sausage. Made some beans and potato salad, and I like literally text like twenty five of my friends that I knew would buy my barbecue, yeah, just to see if they'll do it. And say, like, yeah, put me down. And funny story, man. Like after we did it, my phone was dry for like two hours. I'm like, man, they hated it. It was nasty. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, really? so in my mind, I'm like overthinking it. Okay. And then the next, the next couple of hours, my phone's getting flooded. Mm-hmm. Hey man, that was the best barbecue I ever had in my life. Put me down for three more next week. Yeah. Hey, my neighbor had it. You doing it again? So I'm like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> so it became every weekend I'm off. I'm cooking barbecue out of my house. So did you find that initial success almost exclusively word of mouth? It was definitely word of mouth um, because the cool part, like I just didn't want people that knew I can cook. Yeah. I wanted to reach people that never had my food before. And thankfully, my buddy bought some plates for his neighbor as well. So from then, and I honestly, I, I tell people this all the time, you should never have to pay for marketing because you have social media in front of you. Right. If you know how to post correctly, if not afraid to post, if you don't, just just do it. And that's how I started to get people to come to me was through Instagram. Yeah. And people will market for you on your behalf because they get so passionate for the product. Yep. It, it And there's no greater cosign than a happy customer base mm-hmm. that's saying, this is an amazing experience. This is not a paid for advertisement. I'm sharing with you this 
this amazing experience that I had. I mean, you really can't even pay for that even if you were going through a traditional marketing route. You can't, and I tell people this that starting off, man, get to know your local food bloggers Yeah, because they're gonna be your biggest advocate. And the funny story, they all hang out together. So if one of them tries your food, mm -hmm. Their friend's gonna see who has 10,000 followers. Their friend's gonna see who has 50,000 followers. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, A, your food has to be good, they gotta yeah. like it, but get to know them. Like, all, you know, some of them do it for money, some of them don't. Right. They just want a free, they want a free meal, mm -hmm. you know, but just be, just be real with them, be cool with them. And shout out to Keith, the gourmet food guy. That was the first food blogger that I had interaction with. Yeah. And uh, he came to my house, cause I was a little skeptical but people I didn't know come to my house to get food Understandable, because, yeah. you know, I was like, man, I don't know this guy. Right. You know, but he came through, loved the food, posted it. And from there, I'm getting 50 more followers just because he liked my food. So, like, that's the best way, man, to get out there is get to know the local food bloggers in your area. You said in an article that, you know, cooking is easy, but running a business is hard. What lessons have you taken since opening up your shop on Montview? Honestly, everybody ain't your friend. Um, yeah. That's probably one of the first thing, man. Business is a business. And I think people get that confused a lot just because you know somebody don't mean they're your friend, especially when there's money involved. Right. Also, learning how to actually, like, prioritize. Uh, you got to pay taxes every month. People mm -hmm. think, oh, my gosh, you make all this money. We're blessed, but we got to pay a lot of people too. Right. <laughs> Every month, you got to pay sales tax, you got to pay state tax. And funny story, we never logged into our state tax account for like months. We get a letter to mail from the city of Aurora saying we owe like 20 grand. I'm like, oh, whoa, hold on. Right. You know, but that's what they estimate you to owe. You don't owe that. You just got to file what you owe based on what you made. But just learning how to take care of those things. That way you don't get yourself in trouble. Uh, it appears your wife is is very integral in, in your business endeavor. She's in the trenches with you, helping out with operations. It's got to feel good to build something like that with your family. It was hard at first, man. I ain't going to lie because I'm, I'm kind of – I'm hard-headed, man. And like I said, <laughs> if I have an idea, I'm going for it. I ain't asking for permission. You know, and a lot of it, having your – your wife there who's your business partner you got to run things by her mm -hmm. and i would just do things that would make her so mad oh my gosh you need to talk to me about this you know but like i'm just gotta i'm going with my gut i have to go for it i have to follow my face to know if it's going to work or not work but it, it, it i'm glad we did it before we got to the restaurant because we built that foundation okay i ain't gonna lie man we argued a lot we disagreed you know like she said well i'm gonna do this and like, i'm gonna do that but you learn, you learn your place. Yeah, you know, it's okay. Her, her place. I'm bad with numbers. Even though I worked in finance for 13 years. Like <laughs> as far as like writing stuff down, I'm not a planner. Right. You know, I'm just a person that's gonna go and do it. My wife has a schedule. She keeps a schedule. My schedule is always messed up. Um, but just learning, like I'm the yin to the yang. What I do good. You know, she does not the best, but we carry each other. So just having that person there, man, that believed in me. Because it wasn't for her, I, w I wouldn't be here. You got the artist and you got the administrator, basically. Exactly. And that's that's the mix that you need to have a successful uh, enterprise. You know, if you show up to your restaurant on a Saturday morning, you're bound to find a line outside the door, you know, at 9, 30, 10 in the morning before you even open up at 11. What's it feel like to have people so passionate about your food and see that line every Saturday? It's overwhelming, man. I ain't gonna lie. Opening day, I couldn't sleep. So I got to the restaurant like at 9 o'clock. And I was up from nine o'clock until the next day. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about, man, who's going to show up? Who's going to be here? 
because before we opened, we got a lot of publicity. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, are people going to come just because they saw me in the Westward magazine? Right. Like, is my friends going to be there? Um, so I didn't know what to expect. And my sister-in-law's um, sister came. I called my sister Fallon. Shout out to Fallon. She's like, bro, the line's down to the liquor store. Yeah. And if you saw Montview, where my restaurant's at, that's quite a stretch. Mm-hmm. She said, it's wrapped around a corner. So I'm like freaking out. like, man, I didn't make enough food. <laughs> but when you do the type of food I do, you want to sell out. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and that's kind of what I, that's what I wanted. But I just didn't expect I thought it was going to be okay, a plate here, a plate there. I saw that line, man. I was like, oh. I went outside, and I just got teary-eyed. I'm like, damn, this is all for, they all showed up for me. Yeah. You know, so it was definitely a blessing, man, to see that. So. And it's not a one-off. I mean, you continue <laughs> to have lines to this day. I mean, you were you were gracious enough to invite me into your to your store unprovoked. You know, we had mm-hmm. just interacted online, and it was just maybe that that Texas hospitality, like, hey, man, come experience this for yourself. And I'm truly grateful for that. We witnessed the line right there. We felt kind of like VIPs because we were in there <laughs> before it even opened up. So it wasn't just a flash in the pan. You continue to have that line because the food is that good. I think a lot of it, I focus on progress, not perfection. Yeah. And I think there's nothing that's perfect, but every cook you want to progress. And that says me personally. And I think I need a good mentor of mine. Uh, shout out to Bill. He on smoke. He said, I need to learn how to let go a little bit. He says, honestly, you're going to save yourself some sanity. And, you know, you're going to, you need to give yourself room for error. Everything can't be right. But like barbecues, like barbecues, a regimen, you got to have, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I've learned to do what feels right, not learn to do, like, you can't just dot every I. I'm going to miss a few I's. I'm going to miss a few T's. But I got to do what works best for me and what feels right. And to counter that, or at least to balance it, you know, that attention to detail, that holding yourself to a high standard is what sets you apart, especially from a chain that's mass producing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're putting so much care and yourself into your, your food. Um, when you think of barbecue, you think Texas, you think Kansas City, you think Memphis Dry Rub, uh, North Carolina, but Colorado has its own history that's worth celebrating. Can you expound a little bit about, you know, the restaurants you went to as a kid, you know, M&D's and, and the other cafes in the Five Points area? Um, it was honestly the early 90s was great, man. It was like restaurant renaissance galore. Like you had Capri Chicken, you had Etha's House of Soul, you had uh before there was Walton Street Cafe, it was Wings and Things, you know, yeah. and you had a house of barbecue. You had, you know, and you had M&D. So it was just so much great food. And the funny thing about it, they had lines before it was social media. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't go to those neighborhoods, right. you know, but they went there to get food. So to see the diverse diversity of the clients then, you know, it was just crazy because the food brought those people from wherever they stay out to those neighborhoods was considered a hood right. you know even on my mom had her salon on 27 27 Weldon street and we was right next door to the capri chicken yeah so you would see police walking there you would see people in suits and ties you would see gang members walking there you would see crackheads walking there <laughs> you know so you saw everybody walking in coming out with some chicken you know coming out with some food so it's like it's just food is it brings people together, man. And I, I, and even for myself is people that I've met from so many backgrounds, man, it's just cause of food. You know, if I wasn't doing barbecue, I wouldn't have met a lot of people that I'm friends with today. 
It's that universal experience. We all need to eat and we all want to eat good. Exactly. Beyond the history, uh, there seems to be a community here today that supports each other. You talked about Bill, the owner of Smoke, and and Jason of GQ Barbecue is also a friend of yours uh, for giving you that motivation, knowledge, and support. Am, am I right in that characterization? Is the barbecue community here in Colorado really supportive of one another? It's getting there. I, th- I think there's so many other cuisines here that outshines barbecue. Yeah. And that, you know, there's so many transplants here that Denver would never be Texas. Right. Denver would never be South Carolina. Denver would never be North Carolina, you know, but there's people here making some damn good food. But, you know, but I'm never claim a region. Like, right. even though I'm from Texas, I just make barbecue. Yeah. Because I don't want to put myself in that box because you may have that one person who's a purist. This is not real Texas barbecue. Right. But the funny thing Texas is a big state. Yes, if, if you go to Austin, <laughs> great. But go out to Longview, go out to Houston. You know, some spots in the um, Burns Barbecue in Houston looks nothing like Franklin's Barbecue. If you go to Carter's Barbecue in Longview, it looks nothing like, mm-hmm. you know, Truth Barbecue. It's just barbecue is man versus fire and, you know, tradition. You know, there's so much into it. If you go down the south, there's, there's barbacoa, you know, Tex-Mex. There's just so many different styles of barbecue that makes Texas what it is. And Aaron Franklin's doesn't define Texas, you know. So there's so many styles, so many influences. You know, there's a lot of Hispanic guys in Texas doing great things. You got Valentina's barbecue. You have Panther City barbecue. Uh, my, my guy Joe in uh, Grand Prairie, you have Zavala's. They're putting their culture and their flair onto it. So you got to respect that, man. So... There's so many culture influences in barbecue. It's not just Central Texas. You received the Kingsford Preserve the Pit Fellowship grant last year. Um, Westward is giving you awards. The Denver Post is giving you praise. Are you surprised by that media attention that has come your way in the last year in particular? Man, I wish I didn't get it so fast because you you kind of get you get good business, you get bad business. You know, you get people. Um, we, that wants the wrong things from you, you know, and I honestly, when I applied for that Kings for a grant, I never thought I'll get it because I'm in Denver. So it was like, you know, they don't really, I say they don't probably see a black, a huge black influence of barbecue in Denver. Right. So when I got the grant, I saw the email and I said, th- thanks for applying. And I wasn't going to read no more. And I oh, forget this. And I said, hold on. I saw a dollar sign. So I kept, I scrolled down. I was like, oh, now I got seven thousand dollars. I was like, oh man. First, I called my wife. Like, baby's got seven thousand dollars from Kingsford. Just stop lying. So I did a screenshot, showed her, and that that kind of it didn't help my business, man. But it helped me meet people outside of right. Denver. Um, I got a lot of friends, man. That I became my brothers in smoke. Uh, I, I I I got Kevin Bledsoe's number. He, I, I chat with him every once in a while. You know, I know you know who that is. He's a judge on American Barbecue Showdown, one of the Kingsford mentors. Brian Furman from Furman's Barbecue reached out to me. You know, just that mentorship outside of Denver that I've gotten, man. And like with the Westward thing, like I don't, I didn't, people, somebody wrote a comment, was like, did you pay them to, to get the awards? I didn't pay nobody. Right. They, they, people like the food, and that's kind of the, the hate. I told my wife, I wish I opened up a chicken restaurant <laughs> <laughs> and not a barbecue uh, a restaurant. Cause you don't hear nobody, you know, hating on KFC or hating on Popeyes, man. So it was like, I just want to, you know, I just want to do what I do, but love what I do. And, but 
when you get a certain degree, the hate comes, and I gotta right. learn to. I'm sensitive, man, because I'm so passionate. Yeah, you know, so I want people to be as passionate as me about it. So that's kind of why, at first, it bothered me, but now it's like. I'm learning just to brush it off. You do demonstrations sometimes. You you cater large events. Do you feel like you're an emerging leader in the culinary scene here in Colorado? I feel like there's nobody who looks like me that does barbecue. And I think that's the biggest catcher. You don't see a lot of African Americans owning a restaurant. You know, so to me, I take that role seriously because I want to influence the next black kid out there who you know, you don't, you ain't gotta always be a doctor. You ain't always gotta be a lawyer. You ain't always gotta, you know, you can own a rest a business if you like cook and do this. So there's so many things, you know, I think you can influence the next kid, somebody who looks like you to like, man, I want to do like what that guy does. Cause it's kind of cool at the, <laughs> at the barbecue festival. I had like a vendor's, uh, what is it like badge. badge and this little kid's like oh he must be famous <laughs> i'm like no i gotta wake up every day and work son so <laughs> in my head so it was, it was just kind of cool to see that but I, I i think i i have to really lead by example to answer your question man and just do it the right way and just do it and have fun doing it and if you have fun doing it like that's contagious people see that if you're always smiling if you haven't if you just show love you're gonna get that love back right. and I'm, I'm huge on showing respect man so you know, I may have, I don't have bad days, I have challenging days, but learning even on those challenging days is still smile because I'm blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. It's not all glamorous, you're a hustler, you definitely are. You, you gotta you be even, a hustler, man. You, you sleep at the restaurant sometimes to make sure that your, your dishes are good overnight. Where does that sense of pride come from? I imagine that started in Texas. That's just my family, my, mom, my, my mom's an entrepreneur, man, so I've seen her grind. You know, the only off day she had was Monday and Sunday. You know, because people need their hair, their hair did. Mm -hmm. You know, in her off days, you had to learn how to respect her space. Because if she wanted to chill and go to bingo, do your thing. So I learned to be self-sufficient, could not bother my mom. I'm going to do it myself. Like, that's just where I, that's where I came from. You know, and I've always been that person. Like, they can do it. I can do it, too. You know, so, like, I've. And just working on a, my family on a farm, man, like you have to go out there and work. Yeah. Nothing's, if you don't work, you don't eat, you know? So that's kind of just that, it's, 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 it's in my blood, man. Aaron brought me a beautiful gift today. I'm holding in my hand a bottle of his signature sauce. Um, the bottle looks incredible, super professional. Where where can we find these bottles? And, and what was that process like getting your sauce bottled? It was a long process, <laughs> to be honest, man. Um, um, I didn't know you can do a lot of stuff out of your house. Yeah. There's an act called the Heritage Act where you can like, if you can food or pickle stuff, you know, or make baked goods, you can do it out of your home. But to be serious, you gotta take, you gotta contact the co-packing company. You gotta contact the, a legit labeling company. So, you know, it's definitely was an investment. Um, it took longer than I wanted it to take, but I'm glad I took that route because when people come, people are labor readers now, man. Yeah. And people ask me before, how much sugar is in your sauce? Is it gluten-free? Is it, what kind of products you use? Now you can look at the back of it and see it because um, during a whole phase, there's a, is your recipe, but it's their ingredients. Okay. So you have like test phases. And then once you, I approve their ingredients with my recipe, it goes off to a lab. And then that's when they test the acidity. It has to have a certain acidity pH for it to, for shelf life. 
and then they break down the, the all the nutrient stuff man so um and then i had to go to a site called gs1.com to get a barcode i have a hot and i have a spike a regular so i have to get a barcode for each one so part of the labeling to get it in stores you have to have a barcode right it has to be co-packed from a a, a fda approved facility so like i said it's definitely it costs money but man you're you're gonna be glad you did it where can we pick up bottles of your sauce i have it at my restaurant okay. uh, i have it at prow souls um okay. um uh, all both their stores so okay. the meat's incredible you make all your sides from scratch as well what are what are some of your favorite offerings there honestly man i'm the sides help me become like give you part of my childhood like my grandma's green beans my mom's you know greens or my mom's you know potato salad so that's where i learned how to cook the sizes from my mom so like i i love my potato salad man it's more it's not like lumpy it's very smooth i love my collard greens yeah. um i make good pinto beans i i think i do pretty decent but i'm learning that not many people know what soul food is yeah so they're curious to want to try it so it, it kind of helps me get those customers who i never had collard greens before mm-hmm. yours are great and how do you make it? You know, so it's kind of cool to give them a taste of my childhood and they can, you know, taste that and take it with them, try it at home themselves. I had customers say, hey, I tried to make the collard greens at home. They don't taste as good as yours. What am I doing wrong? So it's kind of cool to see to see that go from my restaurant to their kitchen. I admit I watch dumb reality TV shows. Um, I used to watch the Barbecue Pitmaster show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, barbecue so intriguing to me because it's quintessentially American. Um, and a lot of it's styling. It's a working man's food, but there's real care and skill that goes into doing it right. What's the most important thing when it comes to smoking or grilling a piece of meat? Patience. I think it's just you got to have patience, man. That's is barbecue takes time. So you got to tell yourself, do you want to rush it or do you want it to come out right? Mm-hmm. And the meat will tell you when it's done. So you got. I've had to learn to train my hands because I cook by feel. I don't cook by temperature. That's how my uncle did it. So back in the day, he didn't he didn't have a fancy rig with the the gadgets that you plug in, and it will tell you he, he can be asleep and wake him up when he's certain temperature. It's so much crazy stuff out there now. But you have to learn to train your hands. Like, okay, it feels great. Pull it now. You know, train your eye. Look for color. Look at the smokestack. Is my smoke coming out too rough? Is it coming out just right? So that's going to tell me if I have to really, you know, work that pit add more wood, you know, get my shovel, mix it up a little bit, break it up. So it's just, it's barbecues about fire management, patience, and definitely learning how to train your eyes, your hands, you know, and, and your nose, just learning how to just train, look out for those things. I would say this is one of Aurora's best kept secrets, but the secret is out. Congratulations, Aaron. We wish you nothing but success. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure being on your show, David. And like I said, whenever you have more time and come out and see the experience, man. And and I thank everybody that's been rocking with me since selling food at my house. <laughs> Visit them at platesbythepoundbarbecue.com. The location is 11601 East Montview Boulevard. That's just west of Peoria and Montview. They're open Saturdays from 11 a.m. until they sell out. And make sure you check them out on all your favorite social media platforms at Plates by the Pound BBQ. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination 
destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.